I think people are increasingly appreciating that that's really important. You can't just do, build these platforms where everybody can just go in and they say, oh, we're just a platform. You're just using us. Anybody can post anything about anyone. Um, then you get all these fake farms in Macedonia that, that people have been heard, hearing about, right? So, 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 so I think it's incredibly important that the platform takes it upon itself to ensure the integrity of its content. And that businesses realize that it's not what they say, it's what their customers say that matters. You're listening to the official podcast for the Festival of Enterprise being held at the NEC in Birmingham between October the 23rd and 24th, 2019. Get your free ticket by visiting thefestivalofenterprise.co.uk. The Festival of Enterprise is the UK's best event for entrepreneurs and small business owners helping your business grow faster. This event is the fuel your business needs to get you where you want it to be and sooner rather than later. Strategy can be sidetracked in the day-to-day running of a business and scaling up takes the backseat as you end up dealing with piles of paperwork, projects going wrong or dealing with your overflowing inbox. This shows in the statistics. According to the Scale-Up Institute, scale-ups bring in £1.3 trillion of the £1.9 trillion generated by all UK SMEs. The remainder is brought in by millions of companies not making anywhere near as much impact as they could. There's clearly more than a few secrets that business leaders need to learn about when it comes to growth. Fortunately, the Festival of Enterprise will reveal them all. Throughout this podcast, I'll be chatting to a number of the successful entrepreneurs and business leaders who will be speaking at the NEC over the two days. The likes of Lord Billamoria, founder of Cobra Beer, Piers Lenny from Dragon's Den, right through to Camilla Ainsworth, the youngest ever finalist to appear on the Apprentice TV programme. I also chat to Fran Borman, Melanie Eusebi, Jamie Waller, Peter Holton Millman, Rachel Taplin, and many others. Get your free ticket to the Festival of Enterprise by going to thefestivaloventerprise.co.uk and also joining us on social using the hashtag Festival of Enterprise. Welcome to episode three from the Festival of Enterprise podcast 2019. I'm Alex Chisnell, and I welcome Peter Holton Mulman, founder of Trustpilot, one of the world's leading review platforms, which has over 65 million reviews on its site. It's on a mission to bring people and business together to make things better. Peter launched Trustpilot in 2007 after getting kicked off business school in Denmark and has been named Entrepreneur of the Year by Ernest & Young and now employs over 700 staff from seven global offices. Join Peter at the Festival of Enterprise at the NEC in Birmingham on the 23rd and 24th of October 2019. On today's show, Peter and I talk about building trust with reviews, trying to do too little for too big a group of people, transparency in your business, customer experience before anything else, and the all-in mindset. I started off by asking Peter where he got the seed of the idea from which Trustpilot came. I quickly realized that this was actually incredibly useful for businesses hmm. because at the time, um, the other business I had, uh, I, I started it by selling a lot uh, on the sites, uh, the Ebays of the world. Yeah. And on eBay, what's unique about eBay is that every time you sell something, the person in the other end is invited to give you a review. 
And so that builds trust on that platform. And that's why on eBay, the, 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 the idea of buying a used cell phone from a gentleman in Hong Kong <laughs> doesn't seem so strange that it otherwise would. Yeah. Then I, I, I thought, okay, this is easy. I'm selling a lot of eBay. I'm going to open a website. So the trouble was when people then came to the website, they thought it's probably just a kid in a basement selling electronics. I don't trust that guy. <laughs> uh, and and so it, it was very quickly became evident that if you had a way to show that you really cared about your customers, and if you had a way to show that it didn't matter if you were 24 or 44 or 64, you were on top of your game and you delivered a good experience every time, if you could reliably show that, mm. that would make more people choose you. And so so, so that built the other uh, dimension of Trustpilot. And, and, and that's what we've been building on ever since, saying that we want to help consumers find better experiences and help businesses improve the experiences they are giving to their customers and being chosen for giving good experiences. And do you... When you started, and obviously um, online is global, but when you when you started, did you see it as being global from day one, or was it was step one? Let's do this within one country. How did you even begin to <laughs> like the thoughts in your mind must have been you know difficult for people to comprehend now? But yeah, so the thought was always global. Mm-hmm. But the execution was always local. Aha, uh-huh. got you. Okay, okay. So, so fundamentally, I think people in Argentina care as much about previous customers' experiences as people do in Japan. But if you're selling a website uh, in the UK and you say, oh, but we have a lot of happy French customers, people care less about that than if you could say we have a lot of happy local customers. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so for us, it was evident from from day one that this was a country-by-country game so that it was more important that we would be big in what people saw as their their local market Mm -hmm. than being this big international player. Then later on, certainly there are some advantages of being the market leader globally because you can attract more money. Uh, some of the, the bigger companies are global and would like a solution that caters to every market they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think in, in in if anything in today's world that is so global, um, I see more startups trying to do too too little for too many people, rather than than, than picking a smaller group and then doing something really well for them. Mm. And and when you started, then how did you kind of divide that? How did you divide the world up? Sounds a strange thing for me to say, but how how did you go about that? So so first of all, as I said before, I, I had a country by country dimension mm. to it. So initially, it was just I'm I'm from Copenhagen, I'm from Denmark, so everybody can now enjoy my my call it my Danglish. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, but but. So, so Denmark was the first target market, and then I said, okay, um, there are already really good solutions for companies that that are just a place. So, so there are excellent review solutions for restaurants and for hotels, and and I don't need to do a, a maps-based discovery service where you can find the best the best French restaurant in this part of the city. But for all the companies in the online world. Mm. 
There is not a standard for that. So I'm going to focus on the online world. And then we said, okay, so in this online world, who has, who, who's the most receptive to our message? Mm-hmm. And, and back in the day, that was the people that were the most digitally savvy. Yeah. So typically, that would be online retailers at that time. And so, so today, in today's world, you see all kinds of businesses go online. You see law firms and accountants and mm. uh, undertakers, and it doesn't matter. Like, everybody's online. But back in the day, it was really retail first. Yeah, okay. And then we would look at what, what were they selling. So you can imagine that if you're selling something that um, is a little bit more expensive, uh, then people will be a little bit more cautious before buying it. So, so we try to be really specific and who are we going after, ensuring they were the most relevant um, you can say, users for the business. I can still remember <clears throat> 10 years ago calling companies um, saying, hey, um, customers would like to know what other customers think. Hey, it matters what your customers are writing about you on the internet. Mm. Uh, hey, uh, you should actually invite your customers to tell them what they thought about your your service so that they can spread the word to other customers. And people thought that was the craziest thing they had ever heard. <laughs> Like and 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 and, to, and they thought the world was much better if they could just have their business, have their website, and people should just auto trust them because they would always do a good job. Um, and and so we found that it was actually only the most customer oriented businesses that thought this was interesting. Mm. So so you had a few people that said the way I'm differentiating is by giving people a better experience. I, I just care so much. I'm going to, if you had a bad experience, I'm going to fix it for you and I'll send you a bottle of wine and a 10% voucher for the next purchase. And, and, and you know, there are these people where they just really care and then they thought that they weren't rewarded for that in that environment because, because how would people know? Mm. And so, so we thought that was the receptive audience. And then in today's world, it has very much changed. Today, um, people think it is weird not to be asked what they think. Yeah, because they're so used to it. If you if you take you, you can take an Uber ride, you can stay at an Airbnb, you can watch a movie on Netflix, you can mm. buy a pizza uh, that's being delivered to your door. In all these cases, you're going to be invited about, hey, what, what how did it go? How was yeah. the pizza? Yeah. And so, <clears throat> in today's world. I think it's extremely different. I think consumers uh, are taking it for granted that they can see what other consumers think. If they cannot, that's a big red flag for them. Just yeah. imagine going on a hotel where you couldn't see what other people thought about that hotel. Like 10 years ago, that was normal. Today, that's unthinkable. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, I was just looking at something recently, looking at putting a, a course together, being invited to put a course together by this new um, audio tech platform and when i was looking at things like udemy literally the way that everything's ranked is just on the number of reviews it's literally just done exactly like that you know and, and so the way it's chatting to a couple of people who do very well with selling courses on on udemy and they were just looking you know there's a massive opportunity you've got somebody with like 50 reviews and then the couple of people at the top have got like 500 reviews, but but in the middle there, there's, there's a massive sweet spot to like launch and get really good feedback by just reaching out to people 
and asking, but I, I guess some people it, are still, it's something still... That's, it's, yeah, that's, that's something that actually surprises me, is that some people are still hesitant to do that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and they are, I think, it, they, they are a little bit concerned about what people are going to write about them, and they think that, oh, it's probably only going to be the, the, the most upset people that are going to write about them. Mm, yeah. but, but the truth is that on all of these platforms... Trustpilot included, the average review is four and a half out of five stars. Really? Yeah. Ah, okay. Didn't know that. And and because and, and like most of the time, people have a good experience. Yeah. And and actually, people are nice. They want to share that experience, and and they're helpful. Mm. Um, because it's not. It's not something extraordinary to ask them about. It's not hard. It's just you just click, and yeah, five stars. It was good. Done. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we, however, we find that if you do not invite your customers to tell them what you think about it, then you leave it a little bit up to chance. Mm. And and I don't think that's in anybody's interest. And I, and I also think that a lot of business owners they wrongfully assume that if there are Customers have a bad experience, and the customer will surely just tell them about it, and then they can fix it. Mm. But, but just imagine the last time you went to a restaurant and it was bad. You didn't tell the owner. Yeah, like that would be extraordinary. You just tell ten of your friends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I find that it, it is much better that you are inviting your customers, and then some of them will say, "Yeah, I didn't have a good experience," and then you can say, oh, "I'm really sorry about that. Let me fix it for you." Mm. And then some people say, "Well, now I had a good experience." Yeah. And actually, I think I think reading that exchange is more powerful than any number of five star reviews you could otherwise get, mm. because because people don't expect that everybody's perfect, right? People yeah. expect that people make mistakes. Yeah. But so the question is not, do you make mistakes now and then? The question is, what do you do about it? And that's really what I want to know. Like, mm. if I buy that oven from you and six months later it doesn't work, are you going to fix it for me? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's very useful. I mean, the way I was looking at it as well, you'd assume a lot of businesses would look at it this way, is that it's it's an opportunity for them to constantly improve, to constantly innovate, change with the times. Um, do you find that's quite a strong strong point or what strongest point almost? Yeah, increasingly I find that companies, the best companies today realize that they have to work with their customers. They have to ideate with their customers that their customers are having some of the best ideas about where they should take their service. Mm. And, and so I absolutely find increasingly um, – the companies are it's a mindset that the companies are interested in of of ever improving experiences yeah, yeah where and in particular instilling that mindset in the employees and then then by by always inviting your customers you have this ever you have this continuous conversation with your customers that all the employees can see yeah and so I think what's beautiful about it is that it creates a transparency for the entire workforce about what are we doing well and what could we do better and where are the biggest areas for improvement. Yeah, that, that's that's a really good point because I, I was, um, interviewed one of the f- uh, co-founders of 
telecommunications company called GifGaf in the UK. And when you look at their website, all of like the frequently asked questions and anytime you actually want to speak to someone, it's their customers or their, you know, now raving fans, essentially, who answer those questions for you. You exactly. Just think- that, that's, that's really, uh, you can say, great company 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I find in particular, this is actually where the larger companies are not getting it still today. Mm. Uh, where um, I, I think I think even though they, they, they're they a really successful company, I still see them as a challenger brand. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, and, and and so what I see in today's world is that the challenger brands, they get that. But it's very few of the really big companies that understand that they need to show that they're human and that they need to show that transparency to the world. And, and that if they invite their customers to do that with them, then you can build that incredible brand advocacy that this is really an example of. And just to finish up today uh two last questions if that's okay um first one is what can people expect to to hear you talk about at the festival of enterprise um in birmingham at the nec 23rd 24th of october what kind of um subject matters you you think you're going to be exploring i think it's actually going to be very much about the conversation we had today that um, we now live in a time that's called, you can call it the customer era, where the customers have incredible influence and they have access to an incredible amount of information. So if you're an enterprise, what do you do? How, how do you act in this new world? What are the beliefs that you must have to be successful? Mm. And how can you use that to your opportunity? Because we really see that the companies that understand this new world, they have the edge. They have an advantage. And that, uh, that, uh, part of the reason I think GifGav is, is such a great example. If you can do that, wow, that's so powerful. Mm. Right? I mean, even, even I here, like just listening to you, I, I get inspired and I think, wow, I want to do the same. Yeah, and that's just one example of, of 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 working with your customers to grow your business. Mm. And so, what what I'd like to do is is give some examples of how companies can work with their customers, give the transparency uh, that their customers are demanding, and use it to grow their business. Don't forget to get your free ticket to the UK's best event for entrepreneurs and small business owners by going to festivaloventerprise.co.uk and joining us on social using the hashtag Festival of Enterprise. Enterprise.